Israel's war on the besieged Gaza Strip is intensifying. Israel has killed more than 7,000 Palestinians, including nearly 3,000 children, as of the 27th of October. And a majority of the countries on Earth have called for a ceasefire to end this conflict. However, one country is standing in the way of peace, and that is the United States. In multiple votes at the United Nations, the U.S. has been one of the only nations on Earth to vote against calls for ceasefires or a humanitarian truce. On the 27th of October, there was a vote in the UN General Assembly calling for a humanitarian truce in Gaza. The resolution also demanded humanitarian aid for besieged Palestinian civilians. This resolution had the support of the majority of the planet, including the vast majority of the countries in the global south and in the east, and it was really only the United States that opposed it, along with a few small allies, and many countries in the West also abstained on the vote. And if you look at a map, you can see that it's really clearly the West or most of the West against the rest of the world. The final vote ended up being 121 countries in favor of the humanitarian truce and 14 countries against with 44 abstentions. Now, originally there was actually an error in the vote and that's the country Iraq had voted in favor, but they said there was a technical error on their machine and they later made it clear that they did not mean to abstain. They meant to vote in support of this resolution. So the actual number is 121 countries. Now, later on in this analysis, I'm going to explain some of the votes of these countries, but it is worth noting that the vast majority of the Global South voted for the humanitarian truce, and the only large countries in the Global South that abstained were India and the Philippines, both of which have very pro-US governments. But the vast majority of countries in Asia, Africa, and Latin America did support the humanitarian truce, and even a few countries in Europe also supported the humanitarian truce. The UN news agency noted that the UN General Assembly adopted the Gaza resolution calling for an immediate and sustained humanitarian truce. They defined the resolution saying that the assembly adopted a major resolution, so it's a very important resolution, calling for, quote, an immediate, durable, and sustained humanitarian truce leading to a cessation of hostilities. And the resolution was a bit vague. It did not, for instance, mention Israel, and it also did not mention the Palestinian armed group Hamas. So instead, the Western countries, including the United States and Canada, tried to include a, an amendment and they tried to get the resolution to condemn Hamas specifically, but the, many, the countries in the UN General Assembly did not approve that Western amendment. It did not pass. But what's interesting is there actually were a few Western countries that did vote in support of the humanitarian truce. Among them were France, Spain, and Portugal. And France's ambassador to the UN said that his delegation supported it because, quote, nothing justifies the killing of civilians. And he said, quote, 
We have to work collectively to set up a humanitarian truce because the situation in Gaza is catastrophic. Now, this is interesting because this is a recognition by a few Western countries that what Israel is doing is a complete massacre. They are killing thousands of civilians. As of the 27th of October, more than 7,000 Palestinians have been killed, including nearly 3,000 children, and two-thirds of the victims are women, children, and elderly Palestinians. So this is a complete massacre, which explains why even some European countries have gone against the United States and are actually now calling for a truce to end the violence. Some countries in the Global South even criticized the resolution, saying that it was too weak and should have been stronger. So as an example, the Western powers, including led by the U.S. and Canada, tried to introduce this amendment that explicitly condemned the Palestinian armed groups. And in response, Pakistan said that this is completely unfair. And he said that the resolution did not name Israel either. And he said not naming either side was the best choice. And he said, quote, Israel needs to be named too, if you are to be fair and equitable and just. And then the Pakistani ambassador added, quote, we all know who started this. It is 50 years of Israeli occupation and the killing of Palestinians with impunity. He said, Israel cannot face justice or truth. The Israeli occupation is the original sin, not what happened on the 7th of October. And he was speaking about the Palestinian armed attack on Israel on the 7th of October. He said, this did not start then. This started decades ago with Israel's illegal occupation of the Palestinian territories and ethnic cleansing of Palestinians and its colonial and racist policies against the indigenous peoples. Pakistan was not the only Global South country that criticized the resolution for being too weak. In fact, the North African nation Tunisia abstained in protest, saying that the resolution was too weak because it did not explicitly condemn Israel's genocide. And the Tunisian ambassador to the UN said that they abstained because of the, quote, barbaric attack on the Palestinian people, the closing of borders and the blockade of humanitarian aid require a clearer position. The resolution does not clearly and decisively condemn the genocide committed by the occupying power Israel in the Gaza Strip. The resolution puts the victim and the murderer on equal footing. And he said, we must clearly condemn the aggressor. This is our clear position. And then he said that Israel has been shooting up hospitals and killing children and women. That cannot be used in self-defense. Those are war crimes. And then he also condemned the fact that Palestine's legitimate right to resist occupation and reject apartheid is considered so-called terrorism. Now, in a separate video, which I'll link to in the description below, I pointed out that according to international law, Palestinians have a legal right to armed resistance against Israeli colonialism. This was confirmed in the United Nations General Assembly in a vote on Resolution 35-35 back in 1980. And the resolution clearly named the racist minority regime in South Africa and also the denial to the Palestinian people of their inalienable national rights. And it said that, that 
South Africans and Palestinians have a legal right to armed struggle. I'm going to read the official line from this UN General Assembly resolution. Quote, It reaffirms the legitimacy of the struggle of peoples for independence, territorial integrity, national unity, and liberation from colonial and foreign domination and foreign occupation by all available means, including armed struggle. So Palestinians do have a legal right, according to international law, to resist illegal Israeli colonialism and occupation. Now, I want to be clear here. This was a United Nations General Assembly vote. This was not a vote in the Security Council because the United States also used its veto power on two different votes in the UN Security Council blocking calls for peace. I made a separate video about that, which I'll link to in the description below, in which I looked at a resolution that was introduced by Russia and voted on on the 16th of October, and then another resolution on the 18th of October that was introduced by Brazil. Both of those resolutions called for peace in Gaza, and the U.S. vetoed both of those resolutions. In the case of the the 18th of October resolution, the U.S. was the only country on the Security Council that voted against the call for humanitarian pauses. So when I say that the U.S. is unilaterally going against the entire world and preventing peace in Gaza by going up against the rest of the international community, I'm not exaggerating. It is literally the United States that is a rogue state that is standing against the entire world in opposing peace in Gaza and supporting Israel as it's committing war crimes and ethnic cleansing and killing thousands of Palestinian children. Now, because of the way that the United Nations is structured, the Security Council is the only body that really has teeth and can actually put forces on the ground to actually implement a ceasefire. So by using its veto in the Security Council, the U.S. is again preventing peace the vote in the General Assembly is very important politically and diplomatically, but the General Assembly does not actually have teeth to implement this resolution. And again, that's because the United States is preventing peace. Now, another very important detail here is Venezuela. There is 100% chance that Venezuela would have voted in support of the humanitarian truce. The Venezuelan government has been harshly condemning the Israeli apartheid regime and accusing it of genocide against the Palestinian people. But Venezuela was not able to vote in the UN General Assembly because of the illegal U.S. sanctions on the South American nation. And if you go to the website of Venezuela's foreign ministry, they make this very clear in a statement they published back in January. And it says, as a consequence of the economic and financial blockade imposed by the United States and its allies, the Bolivarian Republic of Venezuela is beginning 2023 still unable to exercise its right to vote in the United Nations General Assembly because it is not able to pay for its member fees in the multilateral body. And this has been going on for years now. The United States has, in blatant violation of international law, imposed a blockade and brutal sanctions on Venezuela 
freezing Venezuela's bank accounts in the United States and foreign countries, and also preventing the Central Bank of Venezuela from accessing the foreign exchange reserves that it needs to stabilize its currency for the economic well-being of its country. And of course, European banks, including the Bank of England, have stolen billions of dollars worth of gold that belongs to Venezuela. This is all completely illegal. It violates international law. The United Nations has said very clearly that the Western powers are violating international law in doing this. But because the United Nations is physically located in New York City, in the United States, the Venezuela is unable to pay its membership fees, so it cannot participate in the UN General Assembly, which is why I was not able to vote in this resolution. Now, the US constantly violates the hosting agreement that it signed in order to host the UN General Assembly and the United Nations headquarters in New York. It should The UN headquarters should not be in the United States. The US violates international law more than every other country on earth. It is an actual rogue state that goes against the will of the vast majority of humanity, of the, the population, of the member states of the UN. And yet this shows the hypocrisy of the United Nations, which is allowing this to happen and allowing the US to take away Venezuela's right to vote at the UN General Assembly. This is a complete outrage and it should not be tolerated. And that's why more and more countries at the UN are calling for another country to host the UN headquarters. And if you look at Latin America, almost every other country voted in support of the resolution, including the biggest countries like Brazil and Mexico and Argentina. Also, Colombia, for the first time, has been voting in support of Palestine at the UN. Before that, Colombia always was governed by right-wing regimes that were staunchly pro-US, and they always joined in in support of Israeli apartheid. Well, not anymore. Colombia now has its first ever left-wing president, Gustavo Petro, who has been harshly condemning Israel for committing genocide in Palestine. I actually made a separate video about that, which I'll link to in the description below. The only two countries in Latin America that voted against the humanitarian truce were Guatemala and Paraguay. Both of them are very corrupt right-wing regimes that are extremely pro-Washington. In fact, Guatemala's U.S.-backed right-wing regime is trying to steal an election that it lost blatantly in broad daylight. So this is a completely illegitimate corrupt right-wing regime led by an Italian citizen as their president. And the only other countries in Latin America that abstained on the vote were in Panama and Uruguay. And once again, they are both right-wing pro-U.S. governments that are extremely unpopular and corrupt. If you go over and look at Asia, you can see that the vast majority of countries voted in support of the humanitarian truce. Only Japan and South Korea, which are militarily occupied by the U.S., abstained. Also, the Philippines abstained, and the Philippines is currently led by a very pro-U.S. leader, Bong Bong Marcos, Ferdinand Marcos Jr., and he is the son of the former dictator of the Philippines, who is a brutal right-wing dictator who is also very corrupt. And right now, the Philippines is really trying to become a close U.S. ally and is allowing the U.S. to build military bases in order to try to contain China, to wage this new Cold War on China. And the only country in Asia that voted against the humanitarian truce was Papua New Guinea. And also another country that abstained was India. 
And India is governed by a far-right Hindu nationalist party, the BJP, which is very pro-US. In fact, historically, India had been a longtime ally of Palestine, had supported the Palestinian national liberation struggle against Israeli colonialism. But the BJP, ever since coming to power in 2014, led by Prime Minister Narendra Modi, has been very pro-West and very pro-Israel. In fact, they see Israel as a model for the kind of fascistic Hindu state they want to create, modeled on the, the Israeli apartheid regime. And they want to create a so-called Hindu Rashtra, which is their version of like an Islamic state. So they see Israel as a model. And Israel also provides a lot of military equipment to India. They've become security partners. India has also been collaborating with Israel and borrowing Israel's tactics in Kashmir, which is a Muslim-majority area in the north where there was a large independence movement. And in 2019, the Modi regime in India revoked the autonomy for Jammu and Kashmir and then separated the region. And this inspired a lot of criticism by many people who say that India was violating the rights of Muslims in the area. And they also accused India of modeling its tactics after the Israeli occupation of the Palestinian territories. So this explains why India voted the way it did. The far-right Indian regime and the Israeli apartheid regime do share a lot in common politically. And the BJP under Prime Minister Modi has abandoned a lot of the global south-aligned foreign policy that the Congress, the Indian National Congress Party, had pursued in India throughout the first Cold War. And since BJP came to power in 2014, India has much more closely allied it itself with the U.S. and, by extension, Israel. And then if you go and look over at Africa, I explained that Tunisia abstained as a form of protest against how weak the resolution was, saying that it should condemn Israeli genocide. Furthermore, we saw that Ethiopia abstained, and that's, I think, largely because in Ethiopia there are a lot of evangelical Christians, which are very pro-Israel, and Ethiopia historically has had close relations with Israel. Also, South Sudan abstained as well, and South Sudan has always been very closely allied with Israel since it was created in 2011. It, the U.S. and Israel supported separatists, largely Christians, using religious sectarianism as a reason to separate from Sudan in 2011. And Israel played an important role in supporting those separatists in breaking apart Sudan. And of course, Sudan had historically supported Palestinians and Palestinian resistance against Israeli colonialism. And also Zambia and Cameroon abstained in the vote. Now, I should point out that Burkina Faso would very likely have voted in support of the resolution. Burkina Faso has a new revolutionary anti-imperialist government led by the leftist military officer Ibrahim Traoré, and he's been influenced by the past revolutionary Thomas Sankara. But because of the conflict going on and the Western threats of intervention in Burkina Faso, they did not vote in the UN General Assembly session. So factoring in all of those exceptions, basically every other Global South country voted in support of the humanitarian truce. And of course, China and Russia voted in support of the humanitarian truce. And if you look at a map, once again, you can just see very clearly, it was the United States, 
a small handful of allies that voted against the truce, and then a bunch of Western countries that abstained. Now, I should point out that in Europe, Portugal and Spain and France, they voted in support of the truce, along with Ireland and Belgium. And the countries that voted against the truce included Croatia, the Czech Republic, Austria, and Hungary. And you should keep this in mind because Hungary, which is led by the right-wing so-called populist leader, Viktor Orban, he's often portrayed as, you know, a populist who will stand up against the West. But in reality, Hungary has consistently been a, a close ally of the Israeli apartheid regime. And Viktor Orban's so-called right-wing populist regime sees apartheid Israel as a major influence and a model that they want to emulate for their own form of Christian nationalism, which is very right-wing and conservative. And if you follow votes at the UN General Assembly, you can see that this pattern is constantly followed where it's the West against the rest of the world. We can see this in many different cases. The most egregious example is when every single year there's a vote at the UN General Assembly to condemn Nazism and fascism. And the US is consistently, along with Ukraine, one of the only countries they're the only countries on earth that vote against the resolution condemning Nazism. That is that they're voting essentially in support of Nazism and fascism. And Canada and Western countries, so Canada, European countries, and Australia often abstain in that along with Japan and South Korea. This is constant. I mean, this is what Russia refers to as the so-called collective West, which is the US, Canada, Western Europe, Australia, Japan, and South Korea, they constantly vote together against the rest of the world. We also see basically the same pattern every year with the UN General Assembly vote on the illegal Israeli settlements in the occupied Palestinian territories. Once again, it's the United States and Israel that vote against the rest of the planet. It's the exact same story every year with the vote on the illegal U.S. blockade against Cuba. That's the most extreme example. In fact, in 2022, there were only two countries on earth that voted against this resolution calling to end the U.S. blockade against Cuba. It was the U.S. and Israel that voted in support of the illegal U.S. blockade. And it was just two countries that abstained, which were Ukraine and Brazil. At that moment, Brazil was still governed by the far-right Bolsonaro regime, which was extremely pro-U.S. So at this point, the only countries on earth that support the illegal U.S. blockade against Cuba are the U.S., apartheid Israel, and Ukraine. So, I mean, again, this is the definition of being a rogue state, of going against the entire international community. There was also recently a vote in the UN Human Rights Council that condemned unilateral sanctions for violating the human rights of people who are being targeted. And once again, the vote was the West versus the rest. It was all of the Global South countries representing the vast majority of the world population voting against the illegal US sanctions. And it was the US and its Western allies, including Ukraine, once again, voting in support of sanctions that are killing children and denying them medicine and causing economic difficulties and inflation in many countries. Then in 2021, there was a UN vote to make food a human right. 
And once again, it was the U.S. and apartheid Israel against the entire world. In this case, it was 180 countries voting to make food a human right, and it was just two against, the U.S. and Israel. Again, I mean, I don't know how many times I need to repeat myself here, but this is the definition of being a rogue state. The U.S. and Israel are, by any definition, rogue states. They oppose the vast majority of the world population and prevent peace constantly while pushing for more war and instability and conflict and sanctions and simply death and destruction. So, of course, they can profit from it. I should also point out, by the way, that this is basically the same map as the countries that officially recognize the Palestinian armed group Hamas as a terrorist organization. Once again, it's just the West and Japan. So that's the North America, Western Europe, Japan, Australia, and you can also throw in Egypt. And the vast majority of countries on Earth do not recognize Hamas as a terrorist organization, including the vast majority of the world population, all of the global south, all of the east, including China and Russia. And in fact, Hamas frequently holds diplomatic talks in Russia and sends diplomatic delegations to Russia to participate in negotiations. So I really wanted to look over those votes at the UN because it makes it very clear who is actually siding with the majority of humanity and who is against the majority of humanity. And it's the U.S. and Israel that have consistently been against the majority of humanity. And that makes sense because they're the ones constantly waging war. The U.S. is constantly invading countries, overthrowing foreign governments, meddling in their internal affairs. Israel is constantly bombing civilians, illegally occupying Palestinian territory for decades, committing ethnic cleansing and apartheid and crimes against humanity and war crimes. And Israel itself originated as a European colonial project going back to the British Empire and the Balfour Declaration. It was always a European colonial project. And the founding father of the modern political movement that created Israel, Theodor Herzl, he himself referred to the Zionist movement that called for the creation of this political state of Israel in in Palestine, he referred to that as a colonial project. He said in a letter to the genocidal British colonialist who colonized Africa, Cecil Rhodes, the father of the modern political Zionist movement, Theodore Herzl, referred to it as, quote, something colonial. It was a colonial project then and has always been a colonial project. Now, finally, before I conclude, I want to look over briefly some statements from United Nations agencies that show how Israel is blatantly violating international law and committing war crimes and atrocities. This is a tweet from the UN Relief and Works Agency, UNRWA, which is the UN agency that was created for Palestine refugees after the Israeli colonialists ethnically cleansed hundreds of thousands of Palestinians, kicking them off of their ancestral land in 1948 as part of a an ethnic cleansing that is known as the Nakba, the catastrophe in Arabic. And UNRWA said that it's been confirmed that Israel has killed 53 of their colleagues, that is, UN aid workers, humanitarian aid workers, since Israel began bombing Gaza on the 7th of October. Now, what's sad is that this UN agency was too cowardly to actually mention that Israel killed them. 
And this is an example of how afraid these UN agencies are of publicly condemning Israel because of the backlash largely by the U.S. government, because the U.S. is holding the U.N. hostage. Again, the U.N. is based physically in the U.S., and the U.S. constantly threatens the U.N., not only with withdrawing funds to fund the U.N., but also it threatens U.N. officials. It prevents other countries from getting visas to enter the U.S. in order to attend U.N. events. So the U.N. is actually quite literally afraid of speaking out against Israel's war crimes and crime against humanity that it's committing now against the Palestinian people. The UN, this UN agency pointed out that it's 53 aid workers killed by Israel were people dedicated, who dedicated their lives to their communities. One of their colleagues died, he was killed by Israel, while he was collecting bread to feed people, and he left behind six children. He said, the UN agency said, we are beyond devastated as this unspeakable suffering continues. Now, it's very sad that they're so cowardly, they can't mention the fact that the Israeli apartheid regime is, is killing their employees. And we see this very similar cowardice in other statements from the UN. They are important statements, but they're cowardly statements. And this is, for instance, an article at the UN news agency titled, Israel-Palestine, Gazans left with nothing but impossible choices. And this was published on the 26th of October. And it notes that Israel is telling civilians in Gaza City to evacuate. However, the UN's top humanitarian official in occupied Palestinian territory, Lynn Hastings, said that Israel's warnings, quote, quote, make no difference because, quote, People have nowhere to go or are unable to move. So once again, Israel claims that it's humanitarian and is not trying to kill civilians and it's giving them warnings, telling them to leave, but they have nowhere to go. So Israel is saying that it cares about civilians, but it's actually killing those civilians who are trapped in the world's largest open air prison. And the top UN humanitarian official for Palestine, Lynn Hastings, said, this is a quote, when the evacuation routes are bombed, when people north as well as south in Gaza are caught up in hostilities, when the essentials for survival are lacking, and when there are no assurances for return, people are left with nothing but impossible choices. Nowhere is safe in Gaza. Now, once again, this is very cowardly because it doesn't mention that it's Israel that is murdering civilians that are fleeing. It's bombing humanitarian routes. It's bombing evacuation routes. It's bombing hospitals. It's bombing schools. It's bombing UN aid shelters. And yet the UN is too afraid of saying who it is that's killing these civilians. Instead, it says when the evacuation routes are bombed with this passive voice, when people are caught up in hostilities. No, this is a one-sided massacre. Israel is massacring thousands of Palestinian civilians who are trapped and cannot get out because Israel has imposed a medieval-style siege on them. UN News Agency continued saying that UN Humanitarian Affairs Coordination Office, OSHA, has said that while visiting a hospital in Gaza, UN personnel saw hundreds of, of wounded men, women, and children. Many of them were unconscious with open wounds. Tens of bodies were being kept in a tent in the yard because morgues are full, because Israel is killing so many people. 
They said the ongoing Israeli fuel blockade, although they don't mention Israel once again, the ongoing Israeli fuel blockade and lack of water, medical supplies, and personnel are forcing hospitals to wind down operations, according to UN OSHA. Humanitarians also warned that people were resorting to drinking salt water because they don't have clean water, and that poses immediate health risks. They could die in a few days of dehydration. Here is another statement from the UN news agency titled Gaza Testimonies Highlight Grim Plight of Civilians Expecting to Die. And it notes that the top UN human rights official, Volker Turk, called for an end to the Israel-Palestine crisis amid rising civilian deaths and reports that children's names have been written on their arms so they can be identified in case they die in the rubble. No, once again, not mentioning that Israel is the one that's massacring these Palestinian children. Why are, why are parents being forced to write the names of their children on their arms in case they get killed? Because Israel is bombing them, it's bombing their homes, and if they're caught in the rubble, their bodies might not be able to be identified because Israel massacred them. And yet the UN is too afraid and too cowardly to name Israel as it's committing crimes against humanity. And the head of the UN Agency for Palestine Refugees, UNRWA, said that the very few aid trucks which have been allowed to go in are, quote, nothing more than crumbs, which will not make a difference for the more than two million Palestinians. And the spokesperson for the UN Human Rights Office said to journalists that they are hearing harrowing testimonies of parents writing children's names on their arms to identify their remains. Again, it's too cowardly to say that that's because Israel is massacring them. Furthermore, the United Nations World Food Program representative in Palestine said that people in Gaza describe the situation as, quote, a nightmare and we have no way to wake up. So, they're, they're, so the UN is saying that people are caught in a nightmare, but it's not saying that they're caught in a nightmare because Israel is making their lives a nightmare, because Israel is massacring them and their families, and Israel is killing UN officials. And this noted that UNRWA-designated shelters, UN shelters, are at three times their capacity in the room the size of a classroom. 70 Palestinians are being forced to sleep, eat, and drink and take care of their families. There are just eight toilets for 25,000 people. I repeat, eight toilets for 25,000 Palestinians trapped in these humanitarian shelters backed by the UN because they have nowhere else to go because Israel is killing their families en masse in massacres, bombing everywhere, including Israel's bombing hospitals and schools and Israel's bombing ambulances. And this article in the UN News Agency website points out that only 74 aid trucks were allowed to go into Gaza. And that was very little compared to the 450 trucks that were entering Gaza daily before Israel started this bombing campaign. So the World Health Organization, or the World Health Organization, who described that as a mere drop in the ocean. And according to the World Food Program, he said his agency has only been been able to bring in under two percent. I repeat, two percent of the food that is required. And the World Food Program has brought in bread and tuna 
to half a million people in Gaza, but for every person receiving food assistance, six more are in need. So while Israel is massacring civilians, killing thousands of children, bombing civilian areas nonstop, and escalating the violence with the staunch support of the U.S. government, which is protecting Israel by using its veto power at the United Nations to prevent peace. Meanwhile, UN agencies are constantly calling for a ceasefire, and yet they're too cowardly to say that the Israeli apartheid regime run by fascist, psychopathic colonialists who are massacring children and referring to multiple Israeli officials have referred to Palestinians as animals and non-human using genocidal rhetoric. The president of Israel has said that Isaac Herzog is his name, has said that Palestinians, there are no civilians in Gaza. He said that they're all guilty. So justifying massacres of Palestinian children and women and elderly people. So this is a complete slaughter and the UN is too cowardly to say that Israel is responsible for these war crimes and crimes against humanities, crimes against humanity and ethnic cleansing. And meanwhile, the other countries around the world are not able to do anything because the U.S. is holding the U.N. hostage. Every time there's a vote in the U.N. Security Council, the U.S. uses its veto power to go against the rest of humanity to prevent peace. And then when you look at the votes in the U.N. General Assembly, the vast majority of countries on Earth, representing the majority of the world population, are voting for a humanitarian truce to end Israel's slaughter, and yet they can't do anything because of the colonial structure of the UN that gives this veto power to the United States and then puts all of the teeth, all of the power in the UN Security Council, which the US holds hostage. So once again, as I explained in my video that I'll link to in the description below about the votes in the UN Security Council on the 16th and 18th of October, in which the US is preventing peace it is not an exaggeration to say that Washington is going up against humanity, the vast majority of the human population. It is the United States that is preventing peace in Palestine and supporting the Israeli apartheid regime as it's massacring civilians. And unfortunately, there's little that other countries can do because the U.S. is preventing peace. On that note, I'm going to end here. I'm Ben Norton. This is Geopolitical Economy Report. Please subscribe to whatever platform you're watching or listening on. If this is YouTube, please like the video and you should subscribe to our channel to help promote our material in the algorithm. And if you prefer listening to these episodes, you can check out the Geopolitical Economy Report podcast. Every video is also available as a podcast. I want to thank you for joining me today. I will be reporting much more on the latest in this conflict, this horrific war in Gaza, and I will be back very soon. See you next time.